of heights to the depths of the sea. So verse 5 back in our text says, The woman conceived. Unthinkable. Can you imagine how surprised she was? She just finished her cycle. Now she's like, I'm pregnant? What? How can that happen? She told David and said, I'm with child. And then David sent to Joab saying, Send me Uriah the Hittite. Uriah the Hittite is, at, is, at, is besieging Rabbi with the rest of the, the army. So he sends to Joab and he says, Send Uriah back quickly. You place the stars in the Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible-teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Today, our scripture says, And the woman conceived, so she sent and told David and said, I am with child. David and Bathsheba didn't plan on this. They were terrified both at the problem of the pregnancy itself and that it meant that their adultery would be found out. We should always remember that our sin affects all of those that are around us and that it will be revealed in time. After receiving the message from Bathsheba, David knew he would have to take the necessary steps to avert the evil consequences of their sin. Now let's join Pastor Rob's teaching, already in progress. Now, people in the world, men and women, they, they, they really don't follow that at all. They could care less. It's just, you know, it's crazy. It's madness. So there's no being careful about anything. And it creates problems. It creates problems. Ladies, I mean, I think every woman likes to be looked at. There are women who like to be looked at. Some women don't want to be looked at, but other women want to be looked at. And I would imagine that it would kind of boost your ego, make you feel good about yourself, and, the, you know, and, I, and, I, and I totally get it. And men do the same thing. But you've got to be careful. You've got to be careful, especially as a Christian woman, as a Christian man. Let's think of modesty once again. <laughs> and I'm so glad that the majority, the vast majority, if not most of the women, all the women in our fellowship are, are that way. They're, they're very modest in their apparel, and I'm really glad for that. And it's important to really consider those things because we don't want to stumble anybody. Single ladies, you, you don't want to stumble anybody. Single men, you don't want to stumble anybody. So let's just, you know, we have to be careful about these things because that's the world we live in, is it not? I mean, th- these are the things. This is the elephant in the room, and we have to examine it and look at it. But here they, they go. Uh, they committed uh, adultery. She came to him, or he sent for her, and she came over. And, and, and the slippery slope of sin is like this. I think James uh, summed it up pretty well in the first chapter of his epistle. The Lord's half-brother said this in verse 13 of chapter 1. He says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. Remember that. God cannot be tempted, and God himself doesn't tempt. But he may allow you to be tempted by the devil. He allowed, 
he allowed these things. He allowed this to happen in David's life. Was it to destroy David? Is it to destroy you? Or is it to train you in righteousness? Is it to train you? And I, I believe it is. Because we have to overcome these issues in our life, and all of our lives. And God uses the devil. The devil doesn't th- like to think this, but he, he is a, he's a tool. He's a tool in God's hands. He can't do anything that he wants. He can only do those things that God allows him to do. And he allowed David to be tempted. God did not tempt him. The devil didn't tempt God. God allowed the enemy to tempt him. Because why? The devil knew David. He knew David, just like he knows each one of us. He's been studying us. He knows our weaknesses. But, remember, greater is he that is in you, the Holy Spirit of God, than he that is in the world. Never forget that either. Because I don't really care about what the devil knows about me. I know he knows a lot. But I don't want to give him any opportunities. And I give him plenty. And I don't want to give him any more. How about you? We don't want to give him any opportunities. But notice what James says. But each one, notice the... Notice the slippery slope of sin here. Because there, a, 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 um, there is a levels. Each step of the way, we get further. It says, but, let each one, but each one is tempted. Notice, when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed, then when desire has conceived, what happens after that? Then it gives birth to sin. The desire actually does something. Something is done to satisfy that desire. It gives birth to sin. And sin, left unchecked, when it is full grown, it brings forth death. And doesn't the Bible say that the wages of sin is death? That's what we get. That's what we earn when we sin. We earn death. Certainly death in the sense of our relationship with God, if it's not repented of. Death, maybe even in a relationship, and maybe even physical death, depending on the sin. And ultimately, if left unrepented of, eternal damnation. That's the ultimate death, is the second death the Bible talks about in Revelation. But notice the slippery slope. It, it's a, it, it's a, it's a, it's, it's, it goes by levels. It, you don't usually get there by just one leap. It's, it's a little by little, little by little, little by little. Each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when the desire has conceived, that means that the desire now is trying to fulfill itself. It's not enough just to see it. Now it's got to act. It's got to put feet on it. It's got to do something about that desire And it gives birth to sin, and left unrepentant of, sin continues and it festers and it gets bigger. It's like that cartoon where you got that little guy who lies, and each time he lies, he gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and that's the way sin is. I'm thinking of your cartoon, Pastor Kevin. I'm thinking of that. But that's what it is. When it's full grown, it brings forth death. It brings forth death. So write James chapter 1, verse 13 through 16 in the margin here. And also Psalm 1, verse 1. This is one that we know very well. What does it say? Blessed is the man. And underline the word walks. Actually, just turn there. Go to Psalm 1. We're going to take our time in these two chapters before we just go on. Because this hits us at home. It hits our culture right square in the face. (laughs) Look at Psalm 1. And I want you to underline a few words here because you'll see again the 
the, the, the gradation of sin. I'm trying to think of the better word for it. It's, a, it's just one level after another. Notice, it says, blessed is the man, notice, underline the word walks, who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands, underline the word stands, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits, underline that word, in the seat of the scornful. Do you see the progression there? First, you're walking in the counsel of the ungodly. You're just kind of walking along with them, and then all of a sudden you're slowing down and you're standing, and you're a little more secure, you're a little more solidified, you're a little more ingrained in it, and you're standing what in the path of sinners. You're, you're right in their path. You're no longer walking with them. You're very content to just kind of hang out and kind of abide there and hang out there. And then what happens after that? There's another progression. It, it never ends there. And then sits in the seat of the scornful. Now you've, you're ready to take a nap. You're lying in bed with the enemy at that point. And that's a really bad place to be. Can you see how James, what we just read and how this, and that's really what happens. And it very well could have been that David and Bathsheba individually, for maybe for a couple years, had been, you know, noticed each other. You know, maybe... You know, David was talking to Uriah and his wife comes out, you know, honey, it's time for dinner, you know. And David's like, wow, she's really something. Well, okay, i got to stop thinking about that, he says. And so he moves on and Bathsheba's going, wow, he's a pretty handsome guy, but he's the king and I'm married, happily married, so forget about that. And then next thing you know, they, the mind starts taking off and then it's the next thing, the next thing. You know, usually when people are involved in drugs, they never start off with the hard stuff. They never start off with the hard stuff, usually. It usually starts with a, with a teenager, a, a kid in middle school, sniffing glue, Elmer's glue. And then it goes on to something else, you know, then maybe smoking cigarettes and maybe drinking beer. And then it's smoking marijuana. And then now they're in their late teens. Now marijuana is no big deal. Now they're, um, you know doing other things. The next thing you know, there's cocaine, and that's not good enough. It doesn't give me the buzz. And then, and then the next thing, and then the next thing, and the next thing. And then it's fentanyl, and then, it's, and then you're in the grave because it's a progression. The same progression that we see in this kind of stuff, in adultery, is the same thing we see in drugs. And if we look at it honestly, we can just see the, the, the enemy just wanting to drag us down to the pit, and we can't let him. We must learn from these things. We must turn from these things. And notice here back in verse 4, it says that she was cleansed from her impurity. So he took her and she came to him and he lay with her. Why did he lay with her? Because she was cleansed from her impurity. It was her monthly cycle. Let's just be honest. She had had her monthly cycle and this seemed like the perfect storm. The perfect storm. What do I mean by that? Everything was, it's like the devil was hatching this plan. And he's like, I need David up on the roof. I need Bathsheba to be cleaning and being a little bit indiscreet. And she's just finished her cycle. And David is up there and he sees her. And during that time, after her cycle, is the least amount, sorry, this is like a biology thing, biology class, but you guys all know this. But after, you know, after her cycle, the, the likelihood of her getting pregnant is very slim. Very slim, right? But I find that it's interesting 
that of all this, God did not allow David to get away with it. The likelihood of her conceiving and having a child at the beginning of her cycle is very rare. But God was like, you know what, David? If I, didn't allow, if, if, I, if I just allowed you to get away with this, you, you might be able to get away with it. But you're the king of Israel. Your men, her husband, is out fighting your battle. Why aren't you out there? What caused them to stay back? We really don't know. But he should have been out there perhaps with those guys. But now you, the king, you're going to use and abuse your authority to have this woman? A good title for this message could be, Your Sin Will Find You Out. You know, serial killers and mob bosses, I remember watching this program, and there was a, a mafia boss and people involved in the mafia, and they, they did these jobs, these hits on people, and, and decades go by, and it's an unsolved case, and they haven't been able to pin it down. And then the guy is finally, you know, 85 years old, and he's, you know, eating his bran muffin in Miami, you know, Miami Beach and drinking his uh, Ovaltine or whatever. And uh, the police show up and they take him off, you know, and they find DNA evidence now links him to the crime that was committed three decades ago, two decades ago, four decades ago. Your sin will find you out. And David's sin found him out. And because he had such a great responsibility, he had such a great role in Israel, he was the king of Israel. God held him to a higher standard. Because of the great responsibility comes great accountability. In Proverbs, it says this. Proverbs 5, beginning in verse 15. It says, drink water from your own cistern. Now, Solomon, as he's writing to his son, perhaps it's Rehoboam, speaking to his son, trying to warn him of these kinds of things, adultery and flattering women and even the harlot. He says, be careful of her. He says, drink water from your own cistern and running water from your own well. Should your fountains be dispersed abroad, streams of water in the streets? Let them be only your own and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of your youth. As a loving doe and a graceful doe, let her breast satisfy you at all times. And always be enraptured, notice, by her love, your wife's love. Let her be the one that your heart and your affection, your attention is for. Not some... Other. In Proverbs chapter 6, he goes on and he says, Do not lust after her beauty in your heart, nor let her allure you with her eyelids. For by means of a harlot, and I'm not saying that Bathsheba was, I don't, you know, I don't believe that for a minute, but for men today, this issue, we have to be very careful. For by means of a harlot, a man is reduced to a crust of bread. I've seen it myself with, with people with men and women, both, their lives have been completely messed up and destroyed because of adultery, and fornication. A man is reduced to a crust of bread and an adulteress will prey upon his precious life. 
Can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? The rhetorical question is obviously no. Can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be seared? The answer is no. So how so is he who goes in to his neighbor's wife. Whoever touches her shall not be innocent. People do not despise a thief when he steals to satisfy himself when he's starving. Yet when he is found, he must restore it. But it says in verse 32, Whoever commits adultery with a woman lacks understanding, and he who does so destroys his own soul. And I think as we look at David's life going onward from here, we're going to see him just slowly destructing until the moment that he finally confesses and he's restored. And yet, the consequences are still going to follow him. See, most people think, well, if I confess, then that means I shouldn't have any consequences. But it doesn't work that way. Sometimes it takes us a while to finally fess up to something. And yes, there's going to be consequences for things. And sometimes it, it takes time for those consequences to be meted out. There are consequences. When you lose somebody's trust, does it, does it, you know, husbands, you know, if, you, if you've committed adultery with your wife, how long does it take her to trust you again if she's still with you at all? Years. That one breach of trust is going to take a long time for your wife to trust you again. She'll always be wondering about who's texting you. Who's this woman? Oh, it's a business associate, you know, whatever. It's, uh, you know, my mother. It's, uh, you know, whatever it is. She's always going to be wondering, where were you last night? You know, and you said you were coming home at 9. You didn't show up till 11. What, where were you? Oh, you know, I don't know. You know really? Explain. Please explain. <laughs> right? It takes time for trust. Wounds and dishonor will he get, and his reproach will be wiped away. For jealousy is a husband's fury. Therefore he will not spare in the day of vengeance. He will not accept no recompense, nor will he be appeased, though you give many gifts. So there's a lot here. We don't have time to read Proverbs chapter 7, but you could read all of Proverbs chapter 7, and there's more more encouragement in this area. Guys, I'd encourage you to read it, to be reminded again, And to be reminded to be careful. We need to be very careful in the world we live in. Because you may not be the kind of guy to ask for Bathsheba to come to you. But you may be the guy who is looking a little too intently. You may be the guy who is flirting with her. And in your heart, you've already committed adultery. So verse 5, back in our text, says, The woman conceived, unthinkable, Can you imagine how surprised she was? She just finished her cycle. Now she's like, I'm pregnant? What? How can that happen? She told David and said, I'm with child. And then David sent to Joab saying, send me Uriah the Hittite. Uriah the Hittite is is besieging Rabbah with the rest of the, the army. So he sends to Joab and he says, send Uriah back quickly. So when Uriah had come to him, verse 7, David asked him how Joab was doing and how the people were doing and how the war prospered. Do you think David was really concerned about the war? I think he was. I think he generally wanted to know, but was that his real motive? I don't know that it was. I don't, in fact, I know it wasn't. It was convenient to get, uh, to get Uriah back because he's thinking to himself, if I can get him to spend the night with his wife, and then she's found out to be pregnant. This whole thing can be covered up. So what that the child has, you know, blue eyes and red hair? <laughs> you know, 
So David said to Uriah, go down to your house and wash your feet. And so, and again, remember, he's been gone for months, probably for several months. Go home and wash your feet. Now, I know I'm getting a little bit touchy with some of this stuff, but I'm just going to be honest, right? We're, we're, we're adults here, and we need to be able to hear these things. So he says, go down to your house and wash your feet. And so Uriah departed from the king's house. And notice, a gift of food from the king followed him. So David sends this gift of food with him, and he's thinking to himself, if I can get this guy really full on a really nice meal, he's going to be with his wife my, and cover this whole thing up. And Bathsheba doesn't want this, you know, publicity. David certainly doesn't want it. The whole thing can be kind of buttoned up and sewed up and everything's good, right? But the Lord wouldn't have it. The Lord wouldn't have it. And he seemed to be rewarding his loyal soldier, but rather he had shown hatred and disrespect for him by doing what he did. And I'm sure that bothered David too. Here's a loyal man, a man who would give his life for his country. And David sends him home with a bunch of food, hoping that he will have a nice meal and clean up and be with his wife and cover this whole thing up. But, verse 9, but Uriah, notice the integrity of this man, but Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants of his lord and did not go down to his house. So when they had told David saying, Uriah did not go down to his house, David said to Uriah, did you uh, not come from a journey? Why did you go down, or why did you not go down to your house? And Uriah said to David, the ark of the covenant and Israel and Judah, they're dwelling in tents, and my lord Joab and the servants of my lord, they're all encamped on the open field. Shall I then go to my house and eat, to eat and drink and to lie with my wife? As you live and as as your soul lives, I will not do this thing. Notice the integrity of this man over the king of Israel, David. I can hear David saying something like this at a different time in his life, but, but Uriah, what a faithful man. Been months away from his wife, and he doesn't even go visit her because he's like, all my brothers are out there in the field. God forbid that I should enjoy a nice meal and be with my wife tonight when they're living in tents. And so, in the morning it happened that David wrote a letter to Joab. Now, now that he sees that nothing's happening here, and he's gotta, now he's got to hatch another plan. Do you, do you ever realize what sin does? If the first, whenever you sin once, if you can't cut, you know, the next thing is you've got to sin again to cover that thing up. It's, it's always a, a, a progression like we read in James and a progression like we read in Psalm 1, verse 1. It's always a progression. We've got to hide, we've got to lie to hide another lie. And then you've got to lie, and you've got to remember that lie because you've got to remember what you told so-and-so, but you told them something different. Now you've got to text them and call them and say, what I really meant was, and then now you're getting your, your stories confused, and your whole life is a complete mess. You can't sleep. You're taking pills, trying to sleep. And then you ask yourself, is it really worth it? <laughs> if you could go back and not do it to begin with, wouldn't that have been a much better thing? Oh, if I could just have that relief of having a poison, guilty mind and, and having sinned. Isn't, that, isn't, isn't a, a good conscience, isn't that worth its weight in gold? Isn't a, a good, holy conscience, isn't that a good thing? Develop that in your life, a holy conscience, one that's not defiled. I'm sorry, that concludes our program for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 2 Samuel. 
Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.